0: Welcome back to another session of Better Podcasting Chats with me, SP. This is a streamed and recorded casual chat, also known as a conversation, with other hobby and passion podcasters to share their experience, knowledge, joy, and enthusiasm of podcasting. Once this live stream is over, I'm going to take the recorded files because we're podcasters and we record everything. I'm going to turn it into a podcast as was requested by the Better Podcasting community. Better podcasting is a project by Stephen, John, Drew, and myself to help hobby and passion podcasters start their shows and make their existing podcasts better. That's why we call it Better Podcasting. At the start of the show, I just want to say thank you very much to Paul D. Casanzo from AD History's podcast for joining me in the previous chat. Once again, you can check out Paul and his co-host Patrick on AD History's podcast at tgnreview.com slash adhistorypodcast. You can also check out the previous chat at betterpodcasting.com. Now, for the next few moments, I'm going to talk about my passion, which is space. I'm a rocket scientist. I love space. So over on the NASA side of the house, the Artemis 1 Orion capsule continues its distant retrograde orbit around the moon. And it's still on schedule for an Earth splashdown on December 11th, 2022. The capsule has now set a record for the farthest distance away from Earth for any human rated spacecraft at 270,000 miles. Although, to be clear, no humans are currently on board the spacecraft, nor were they when it was launched. So nobody was lost so far in the whole thing. NASA also released pictures of how damaged the Artemis 1 launch pad was, including the elevator doors that were literally blown off during the launch of Artemis 1. That was awesome power there. NASA is going to have some work to do to get the launch platform repaired, more protected, and ready for the Artemis 2 launch, which is now scheduled for May of 2024. In the past week, NASA also invited public comment on plans for a Mars sample return campaign. And the comments are due back by December 19th. So, yes, we are actually taking a bit of Mars and we're bringing it back to Earth. On the SpaceX side of the house, SpaceX launched a resupply mission to the International Space Station on Saturday, November 26, 2022. The cargo Dragon capsule arrived safely at the ISS on Sunday, November 27th with new solar arrays and a moon microscope. SpaceX also repaired its Starship orbital launch mount and added protective cladding in advance of the Booster 7's next static fire attempt, which happened today. Yeah, just a few hours ago, as we record this episode, SpaceX conducted another static fire of Booster 7 using 11 of its Raptor 2 rocket engines for 13 seconds. It was impressive. Now, hopefully, this successful task keeps SpaceX on a path to launch Starship for the first time soon, hopefully before the end of the year. But even if it's at the beginning of 2023, it is still going to be an awesome site. Over on my other podcast activities, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is currently covering the MCU films Thor Love and Thunder and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And then we're going to end the year covering both the Guardians of the Galaxy and X-Men the Animated Series holiday specials. So check that out at LegendsofShield.com. The Better Podcasting main show published episode 265 today about how hobby podcasters can augment their audio podcasts with video. And you can check that out at BetterPodcasting.com. In case you are new to Better Podcasting Chats with SP, which is this show right here, If you are a hobby or passion podcaster, I am interested in chatting with you. And if you want to schedule a time to chat with me about your podcasting experience and your podcast, please send me an email to Stargate Pioneer at betterpodcasting.com, or you can DM me on Twitter if you're still over there or on Discord, and we'll arrange a date to have you on. I have a calendar scheduling link I can send you. In case you don't think this applies to you, it probably does. And I'm excited to chat with you. There's only one more slot left in 2022. So get it while it's hot. There are slots available in 2023. Now for the next hour, I'm chatting with Steve Barnes. Steve has been a musician for, well, let's just call it four decades, and has played in bands around the Richmond, Virginia area since the 80s. Steve currently creates music under the name Intro Void and plays covers under the name Rebecca Crow. Steve currently hosts the Wheel of Time review podcast called Sweet Child of Time on the Marshland Media Network and is branching out to cover a few more shows as well.
1: Welcome to the chat, Steve. Hey, I'm here. Hey there. How's it going? Great, Steve. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Is it okay if we back up to some of the uh, some of the space talk? That you were saying before. Please, go ahead. See, this is a good, a good example of how I like step my foot in places I don't belong because I, com- I was communicating with you because I knew that you were interested in that space program. I didn't know how deep you were into it. And so I'm just a utility guy that does work up there on Wallops Island and Shinkateeg Island. I'm there once a month. And so I happened to be there during the launch and I was really excited to like, you know, share that with you. Just that basic fact. Not knowing like how deep into it you actually are. So, from my perspective, that launch was interesting. I tried to wake up in the morning for it. I set my alarm. You know, things happened. It didn't go off at five o'clock like it should have, but the launch itself did wake me up. And the way that the Wallops Island launch is set up, the hotel that I stay at over- is a really nice one. It overlooks Chincoteague Bay. And, um, I'm on Shetikatik Island, overlooking Wallops Island. That's where I have to drive through the uh, the NASA training center to get there. So there's always rockets out, and there's always activity happening over there on the island as I drive through. So I was really excited that a launch was happening. So wanted to get up early. Did not get up early, but the launch was so intense that it was—I uh, mean, it was loud, audibly loud. And I won't—I won't say the room was shaking, but there was a definite like hum to the room there was like you could feel the vibration i was very close to the launch and it was intense i ran to the um, balcony and i was overlooking chesapeake bay looking at the the nasa training center that's where steve the genius was looking the launch was happening over on the actual launch pad site, <laughs> which I had no view of because there was a building in our way. And there, I could see people on the dock out there looking in, the, looking off, you know, ninety degrees to my left to the launch that I could not see from my balcony. And that morning, when I went down to the lobby, you know, all the uh, NASA guys were at the same hotel and high-fiving each other, and not not literally, but there was a lot of talk about. It was a good launch, Chester. Yes, it was, Jim. You know, it was a. Everybody was having a jolly (laughs) morning. I was surprised to see the next day that you were talking about how there was some situation they had to do like a relaunch. You know the whole story, and you talk about it, but so I was really confused. I was like, I saw a launch. I talked to people about it, and I felt it. And now you're telling me there's there's a relaunch two days later. Yeah, no,
0: that was the believe. I think it was the Artemis, one of the Artemis Mm -hmm. attempts at the time. You saw a Cygnus capsule, which is a cargo capsule that was being launched to the International Space Station. There are launches that happen all the time out of Vandenberg out west, Kennedy Space Center in Florida, Wallops Island, where you are, mostly sounding rockets. But in this case, it was a capsule that went to the International Space Station. So... It was a different rocket that I was talking about, but everybody was talking about (laughs) this one because it was going to the International Space Station. And if you've never seen a launch, like you live in the middle of the country and you're not around rockets being launched, you should go to one of the launch sites and see a launch at some point in time. I will say that Kennedy Space Center is probably the best shot because launches get delayed all the time. But if you're there, there's in any given week, there's usually two, maybe three launches that happen. So you're going to see something. The big thing when I was young was watching a space shuttle launch. So catching one of those was hit or miss, but there was always some other launch. And if you've never seen a launch, like you were saying, the whole room was kind of reverberating or whatever. Mm -hmm. If you get close enough, especially to one of these bigger launches, your whole chest reverberates. And it's, you know, it's kind of like, The experience of going to a concert and just being pounded by all this Mm -hmm. sound, except for it's way, way more. And it's everything around you. Your whole body is vibrating and everything. It's just, (laughs) it's wonderful. That's why I'm a rocket scientist, because I love all that stuff. And I love space travel (laughs) and stuff like that. So anyway, you know a little bit about music because you have been a musician since the 80s.
1: Yeah. um, My grandfather was a guitar player and he played Oregon too. And I was really interested in that. So You know, he made sure I had a guitar by the time I think I was ten or eleven, and then my dad bought me a guitar too—a electric guitar, a real guitar—when I was like thirteen, and I just happened to live in a neighborhood with a lot of other musicians too, that are still playing to this day, and just happened to—I don't know—it felt like a right place, right time. I made like a direct path leading everything like up till now because. All the experience I had playing music is, has been helpful in podcasting. Back in the '80s, we were recording with this particular group of people between like 1990 and 1996, and it was always on a Tascam you know, four-track recorder. And we knew the ins and outs of that; very comfortable with that. You know, we could make stuff sound good with it as stuff got a little more experience we were using like the dat tapes i know you remember those things were fabulous they were great to record onto a little more complicated i really preferred the four track cassettes to the dat tapes because i you know once i learn something i like don't want to learn anything new which is going to be a theme maybe going throughout the show here but yeah being um around recording and then as i um playing with bands and i was also in a church band for many years too so we would rehearse every week play every week and you know we tried our hand at recording there too i did i didn't have a hand in that my um, my brother-in-law did aside it gave me a lot of experience being in front of people being comfortable in front of people because most of my life i was an introvert and wasn't comfortable in front of people and i think being in bands being especially in a church band having to stand in front of a crowd that's not exactly rocking out, you know, they're just kind of standing there or sitting there looking at you while you're playing. So you become comfortable in that environment. And that's helpful behind the microphone and speaking in front of any group of people. It's easier now because of that experience of playing in bands. I guess I'm going to segue now into like the most recent band I was in was Medusa switch and the drummer Mike Holly was the one who did all the recording he was really good at it and really i don't know he was really finicky about it and he used cubase and it was really he he preferred like the grid pattern whereas I, i'm more of like the sound waves i suppose <laughs> but um he was really a stickler about the grids and playing in the grids and staying in the grids to make it easier for the edit and he taught me a lot about that cuz i would always you know be there with him helping him Edit. The whole band was. It was a, a good experience, like doing that with other people too, because other people would be asking questions about features that I would never even think about. So that experience was good. And after Medusa Switch, I, you know, I'll admit I left the band like in a um a rage quit. It was a rage quit situation. But I'm still in very good terms with everybody now. I'm very good at apologizing for things that I can do, but. That aside, when I left that band, I didn't want to play in bands anymore. I wanted to play by myself. And I was writing music by myself and recording, quote unquote, recording myself. I was using this as a loop pedal. I would just, this holds like thousands of hours of, you know, riffs and music and you can layer stuff on it. So that was my first experience by myself. Then It's behind me. I'm not going to show it out, but the Tascam, the exact same Tascam four track that we were recording back on the 90s, my friend Sam cleaned it up and gave it to me so I was able to start recording my stuff on it. So I had all these tapes that I had of just, you know, goofy stuff I was doing. I was doing like stylophone music, just putting together just anything just for fun. Because music has never been anything that has paid. Or anything, you know, my job is a utility tech. And at any rate, through the podcast, Grift Horse, which is another podcast I'm a big fan of, it's a podcast basically about saving money. And I met a friend, James, through that podcast, just because we were both fans of the show when we met, like, I think either on the Discord or I'm not exactly sure how we first came in touch, but. Everybody who was a fan of that show would also like bring ideas to the show, kind of like you. You know, you bring people on to talk about podcasting. People would write into Grift Horse and say, you know, uh, the Panera drink club is on. You know, you can get free drinks at Panera. You know, this thing is happening. James brought to the table. He was a podcaster. He's a musician, and you know, he knew how to publish music easily, get it online. And make money and make money off your streams. And this was a new idea to me, but it was appealing to me. I had these cassette tapes, and I was like, I guess I could do that because the way James worded it when he like first wrote into Grift Horse, or maybe it was on the Discord, he was just basically saying anybody can get a song on Spotify just by getting a publishing service. For example, DistroKid—that's what I use currently—and the way James did it, he would he said just open up an audio file and put a beat on there and then hum something on top or layer something on top, and then you got a song. Then you can put it on Spotify. It doesn't matter if it's good or not. You can stream it and you can make 0.3 cents off every stream. And it was, you know, just a fun little grift idea to like make a couple dollars or something. And I was like, sure, I can do that. So I decided to take it a step further though, because I had music that I actually kind of liked. And I actually put some stuff in. Not great stuff, but I was like, it was more than just some sound file to put on Spotify. It was like I had music that I actually enjoyed and I wanted to put it out there. So that is what I did. That was my first step towards podcasting was taking those cassette tapes and getting one of those. That was my first purchase I made was uh besides having band equipment was I bought like one of those super USB cassette converters that can convert your cassettes to USB, uh, to MP3s. It's really crappy and you have to hold it like a certain way or it will start like vibrating and that vibrating will come through on the recording. And you can hear on some of my early recordings, they're pretty crappy. And they have a lot of like really weird quirks and hums and stuff in them. And that is why. Eventually, I got into, at first, I wanted to just try Audacity because James was encouraging me strongly. He was like, you know, these are great because he, uh, I should say that too, he and I were kind of trading music back and forth. He was sending me some files of him rapping and then I would convert those to cassette and then I would like put three weird tracks on top of it and put a beat on top of it and you know, we would have a collab right there. And so I was publishing those, and James was encouraging me strongly to get into digital, which I was I was uh, apprehensive to because I was comfortable with cassettes. That's all I had recorded on before, besides pedals, and I, uh, you know, was just nervous, I suppose. And eventually, he was right. I fell into soundtrap because I the computer I was using at the time was a Google Chromebook, ninety nine dollar Google Chromebook. I think by this point, by the time I'd started putting music online, I think James had had me on his podcast once to promote some of my music, and I really enjoyed it. I enjoy talking. I haven't stopped talking yet, which is, (laughs) I've listened to a lot of your past shows, and that's why I feel comfortable keeping talking, because most of your guests get on here and and talk like this, right? Let me cut to the chase. Yeah, I recorded, did cassettes, now I do digital. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. So you're recording digitally,
0: but what drove you from music to actual podcasting?
1: Always loved podcasting. First got an iPod in 2008. And one of the first things I did was discover the NPR podcast they had out there because I would work in my truck a lot by myself. And that's what I, you didn't get tired of listening to music after a while. So I would just mm-hmm. listen to NPR. So NPR podcasts were a natural progression. So then when I discovered there was more podcasts. There was so many political podcasts. I was listening to the young Turks majority report. There were so many political podcasts, but I decided I wanted to, and I've stuck to it to this day. I only stick to one political podcast that I listen to on a weekly basis because there's so many good ones out there, but, uh, What was the question again, sir? (laughs) What drove you from music
0: to podcasting? So we've gotten to the point where you're listening, you're listening to podcasts, which is where a lot of us started. And a lot of us started in music too, back in the day, a little less so now, because the gear is a little bit more plentiful for everybody to have. So you have the gear to actually record your voice and you have this interest in talk radio or podcasts because you're listening to him out on your line truck. Yeah. What drove you to actually start recording one?
1: Well, um, I guess directly that would be James. Cause I think the point I was trying to get to was I listened to one political podcast and then everything else was a comedy podcast. That's my main thing is um, improv comedy or just conversational comedy. I like recap podcasts too. Obviously that's what I do, but it was, um, you know, being a guest on, Mostly speaking Sentai and on James's podcast and just being in that environment I was appealing. He had me on another podcast after that as well. And that's about when I decided I've been listening to him enough and I wanted to just give it a shot because I enjoyed talking to James and I just enjoyed it in general. And I like the format of like a recap podcast, I gotta say. I have a tendency to ramble like this. So when I do like a recap podcast, it's, it's a natural chunk of times. You can do natural segments that come up. So it, it's a natural time to stop talking and for the other person to start.
0: Well, both Steven and I would say that a recap podcast or a review podcast on a, like a TV show is a great starter podcast because, first of all, Ooh. television shows in seasons. So you'd have a natural start and end point. And then there's ready-made content for you. To review, yeah. right? You're not looking for content to create. So it's, it's a great starter. You could continue your entire podcast career doing that. We've got a lot of people on the going to geek network that do that, but yeah, I, I enjoy the format myself. I've been doing those for a while. Voices of defiance, Starling Tribune. I guessed it on some like walking the walking dead, which is Steven's podcast on walking the walking dead, walking the dead, walking dead. <laughs> Back in the day when he was doing that. And then, of course, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. on the Marvel Cinematic Universe started out as Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. review podcast. We've been going for over 450 episodes now. So, right. yeah, it's, it's ready made. If you're just wanting to get into podcasts and don't know what to podcast, you know, right. pick your favorite IP and go for it. You know, if I was starting a podcast today, probably be like from nothing. Like it was my first podcast. It was probably be The Expanse, which I podcasted on on somebody else's show. And then uh, also Stargate, you know, Stargate SG-1, Stargate Atlantis, whatever. There's a ton of material out there. If you like Star Trek, if you like Star Wars, tons of material out there to podcast on. And
1: you chose the Wheel (laughs) of Time to start with, right? Yeah, not a great choice. Some of my first choices are not first choices, but my early choices, I was thinking of doing um, Little House on the Prairie or Highway (laughs) to Heaven. Because I really enjoyed those shows when I was younger. And then I, I enjoyed them kind of like, you know, tongue in cheek, ironic, because I was, you know, a teenager when those shows were out. So I recognized they were super goofy. I'm talking about Highway to Heaven in this respect. Little House on the Prairie, I like, you know, I was a little kid and that show meant a lot to me. Highway to Heaven, I, I guess I looked at it in a more like teenage ironic eye, but I just loved the wholesomeness of it. I thought that would be a fun show to do. And I don't know. I chose Wheel of Time because I really enjoy the books and the TV show didn't really get a good, good audience. I I don't think it got really good reviews and a lot of book readers really didn't like it. But I knew that there was a group of people out there like myself that were, you know, loved the books and read them multiple times and also thought the show was pretty cool, too. But I didn't realize how small that group actually was. So basically, I really went easy on myself. Like you said, recap podcasts are like, you know, really easy to do. The ready made material there. But you kind of want to have an audience too. It depends on what your goal is. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. My goal was just to podcast and have fun. I recognized it was a small crowd. And it, you know, when I say small, like I, A handful of people, like less than 50 generally, uh, that were into the Wheel of Time show with me, that were like, you know, listening to my show. And I don't know if they were watching the show along with us or not, or just listening to the podcast, but, you know, that were involved in it. There's definitely a group of people because, you know, you always have to promote and find an audience somewhere. And that wasn't easy for what I was doing. So I went for a Wheel of Time group on Facebook that's called the Wheel of Time TV series. That's specifically what the the group is called. And it's a group that just likes the show. And they'll kick out anybody that gets on there and um, is overtly a hater of the show because there's plenty of those out there. And it's not like they don't like negative feedback in that group, but they just don't want to make it an open place for like trolls and people to hate on stuff. And they just wanted to make it a more positive space. So that's basically my group. And this group of people is anxiously waiting for Wheel of Time season two to start up. So I still feel, you know, like I didn't make a wrong choice. I feel like I'm happy where I'm at. I'm happy with a a small group of like 50. But now I'm in a season where I'm waiting for the next, I'm in a half season. Season one, you know, ended way back when. They haven't announced when season two is going to air yet. It's been filmed and stuff, but I don't know the date. So my co-host and myself, James, were just kind of doing a little bit of this and that. Um, We did like a Time Bandits recap, the movie Time Bandits. Sweet child of time. Why the heck not? Um, And that's another thing I saddled myself with is a silly name. But, you know, I chose it. So there you go. (laughs) All
0: right. Let's unpack a few things. Uh, First of all, confession time. I have read every single Little House on the Prairie book. That Laura Ingalls Wilder wrote. I have been to the site of the big house in the Little Woods. I, as a kid growing up in Walnut, (laughs) or in Minnesota, have been to the dugout in Walnut Grove. I've been to the town of Walnut Grove, which is a little bit underwhelming, but it's there. And the dugout depression is still there in the farm, or at least it was when I was out there. There's no big momentous thing. It's literally an active farmer. It was when I was there. Sure, sure. (laughs) <laughs> they invite people to come by, see the little depression, and then you can move on and go do something else. I've been to dismiss South Dakota, which is where they move to next. So yeah, I've done all that. Uh, yeah, I did have a sister, but yeah, I kind of enjoyed it too with the TV that show is- and everything yeah. like that. And I was, I was, I was so, so mortified when I learned that they did not film it in Walnut Grove, Minnesota, that it was filmed in
1: LA. <laughs> They're like, no,
0: you're ruining my entire
1: headcanon. No, don't do it. No. They can never ruin your headcanon. Come on. Yeah.
0: So for somebody who has never read the Wheel of Time books or seen the show on Amazon, can you give a brief explanation, like two or three sentences on what Wheel of Time is?
1: No, it's basically about a, of a group of young kids coming of age harry potter style you know this is the tale of as old as time turns out one of them is like one who's going to save the world this is a fantasy world that is in a I'm, I wasn't prepared to talk about wheel of time so I'm, I'm at a loss for words here but they they um they discover one of them has huge potential and it is key to humanity so they have to leave their village and face the harsh world and magic is involved no elves, but magic is involved. And it's wonderful.
0: So like the Harry Potter series, you have a series of books that have been written. Unfortunately, the original author has passed away. There was another author that came in and finished it. So it is a complete series of mm-hmm. books that they're grabbing source material from to create the Amazon Prime series. And uh, I guess not to be spoilery, but it's in the far distant future. But because a lot of our society has been lost, it looks like it's like medieval times or something like that. Almost.
1: Yeah. And I guess the one thing that I really liked about this series too, like you were saying one or two sentences, I can say this in one or two sentences. It has a fabulous arc and the characters all, Grow in amazing different ways that you would not expect any character to grow. And the ending is fabulous. Spoiler alert. So it's great. (laughs) There is a little bit of
0: Lord of the Rings walking going on too.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Walking and talking.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, There you go. (laughs) Sweet child of time. That's your podcast name. What is the history of that?
1: I was just looking for a catchy name and I wanted to use. The Guns N' Roses song, you know, as my theme song, I was afraid to a first event uh, because I was just afraid of copyright infringement, but I eventually found like a little, a funny keyboard version of Sweet Child of Time. I'm a sweet child of mine for Guns N' Roses. And I just kind of created the term sweet child to mean a brand new person to a series. You know, James has never, my co-host has never read the book or seen the show. so. Basically, we just would independently watch each episode and talk about it. And he liked it a lot. So that made the podcast really fun. And he's a fun person. He doesn't let me ramble. He's, he definitely is very good at guiding conversation and providing a lot of good, funny insight. And I'm doing a new one now. Like we were talking about how. I'm, I'm between seasons. I decided to stick to that sweet child theme because I have that one RSS feed. I didn't really want to try to bother getting a brand new RSS feed for a different show, but I did want to go a different direction and recap 1899. Cause that show really caught my eye on Netflix. Cause I loved the show dark on Netflix. I uh, loved it a lot. I mean, it was Kind of blew my mind, and I'm waiting to watch it for a second time because I'm kind of thinking about doing a recap of that show too. When I'm done with 1899, there's three seasons of that though. But I decided to stick with the Sweet Child theme. Call it Sweet Child of 1899. Put it on the same feed, but just have different episodes recapping that with a different co-host. The other co-host I have though is not a normal podcaster, so his mic isn't as good as James's. So the sound quality is different with him. So that's a challenge with uh, editing, I suppose, Um, something I'm not used to. But, uh, you know, with Soundtrap, it's it's an app I use to make everything sound as good as humanly possible. So I use all the features within that to uh, tweak my sound.
0: So you moved from musician to podcaster, and you said you wanted to do Wheel of Time with James, and you jumped into that. How did you learn how to podcast?
1: It was real trial and error. I mean, I'd listened to a lot of podcasts. So I listened with a keen ear to a lot of podcasts. And especially the the podcasts I was listening to were very meta. They would kind of talk about themselves and they would include the engineer in the conversations. You kind of just pick up context clues, I guess, on how to structure things. James helped me with remaining patient, like while we were recording. Because, you know, I was new at it. So there was things like mic placement and certain software. I had to get a different computer because the computer I was using couldn't handle the streaming. So having like a patient co-host who's like, you know, helping you through with this was is very helpful. So I had somebody who had three years of experience podcasting as my co-host. Not as my engineer, he didn't edit, he didn't do any of that, but he was definitely made himself available for just questions I didn't bother him with any more than just a few questions at a time, so it was kind of helpful having somebody like that and be and having the ability to ask like I asked to be on your podcast, and I had the ability to ask James if he would do this with me. I think some people might be afraid to ask podcasters but they're open to conversation too.
0: Yeah. My, I keep calling in my podcast mentor, my original podcast mentor is the guy that basically taught me how to podcast like from the very beginning, I guessed it on his podcast and stuff like that. And it was very good for me to have somebody else to ask at the time. Cause I didn't know yeah. their, were online courses that you could take or YouTube university wasn't as strong as it was, as it is now back then, you know, 12 years ago on podcasting. There are still today, a lot of podcasts about podcasting and, and podcast tutorials that cost money. And a lot of them at the time cost a lot of money and I wasn't going to pay for that. So it's a little bit of the hobby podcaster mentality that we have is kind of figure it out on our own or we ask or you go to Reddit and find out and stuff like that. There's so many resources now that you can learn how to podcast and having somebody else to lean on is definitely one of the ways to learn how to podcast. You mentioned that you were listening to other podcasts to, to try to figure out how things go in terms of formatting. Is there a specific podcast in itself that you've modeled sweet child of time on or was it a conglomeration of several podcasts
1: yeah conglomeration of a few when i first discovered recap podcasts, i was beside myself because i just love the uh idea of like being able to drive somewhere and then listen to somebody recap a show that i've watched and do it you know do it concisely and with you know precision lots of notes and lots of uh, analysis And it's great that you can have that in your head. So I've always wanted to do that. So Bald Move Network is a network that does a lot of recap podcasts. And they did the uh, Game of Thrones unofficial recap podcast. And I think that show probably is the format that I was looking for because the guys who do the show, you know, talk like, you know, you and I are talking. There's a lot of deep analysis of their show. They just, I just like their vibe. I just kind of guess learned a vibe from that. And then James also, I kind of followed James's format, except James is a lot more loose in the conversation, but I followed his format for introducing the show and plugging your guests right up front and then having like a succinct plug segment at the end and then just making sure you have your plugs at the end as well making sure you have at least two or three succinct segments. And I think I learned that from bald move podcasts and yeah, I think listening to uh James's mostly speaking Sentai where he does the, the power ranger recaps. It's a looser format. And I took that from James. It, I mean, he's in it. So, I mean, you know, how can it not be like his show? Cause he brings his sense of humor to it, but I think it's a, um, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's like Bald Move except you add a really funny off the wall person in there and it's it's a, it's a neat um neat mix.
0: It always helps to have a comedian as a co-host or a third yeah. host or whatever. There's a yes. typical like you think in terms if you're doing a panel podcast there's a typical morning show mentality where you got the straight man, you got the person with a um. deep analysis and then you've got the comedian and it's named different things, you know, the nerd, the jock, and the whatever. So, you, if you, as long as you have something to keep the listener's attention, whatever attention that is, you know, if they're interested in a topic, there should be, in my opinion, some sort of entertainment with it. So, yeah, you give it to them. That's, I think, the way to go. You mentioned, I want to circle back something to audio quality, where two of you are on a good mic and your third isn't on a great microphone, mm-hmm. but you're making it work. I will say a lot of people will say as long as the show in itself is listenable, but everybody is on a good mic except for one person. Like if you have two people like you and me, it'd be okay if I was talking to you on a phone call, that sort of thing. My mic's pretty good, but you're on a phone call. If you have three people, two people aren't good mics. One person is not listenable, but as soon as you get into multiple voices, not being (laughs) as listenable, then I think it becomes a little bit, sporty to produce a podcast. So I would just consider that as you go forward to anybody about podcasting, only one person can be on a less listenable audio source, like a phone call or a laptop microphone or something like that.
1: I thought the exact same thing too, because I thought maybe if, if both of our lines sounded like that, I might be a little more concerned, but in the, app that I'm using, I'm using Soundtrap, which is like this, it's a free app, but I pay for like the $9 a month service so I can save all my files on there. And so I don't have to worry about saving files on my computer. I'm saving them on Soundtrap server instead, but it's very intuitive. And it's, you were talking about people wanting to get into podcasting. This Soundtrap was made for people like myself who don't really know how to get into podcasting because it's very intuitive to use. And there's a lot of features and I don't think everybody's going to get into all those features that you can get into. I certainly do because I want to take advantage of every single little glitch I can make to make something sound better. But I don't, I mean, I hear other people talking about plugins and um, using expensive software and I don't know. I, Made a list of my my equipment, which is a pretty cheap rundown of stuff, but that Soundtrap app is is great to use.
0: One of the early people that I had a conversation with was Red Scott, and he was talking all about yeah. about free plugins that you can get, so you don't necessarily have to pay for the plugins. Oh. There's a, a, a reasonable amount of serviceable free plugins out there if your digital audio workstation or DAW actually uses them. So you mentioned me that you podcast on the inexpensive side Mm -hmm. and very minimal gear. So what gear do you use when you podcast?
1: Well, I was using, as I should say, when I first got that iPod back in 2008, I never used, I never had a laptop or a desktop or any sort of computer. I just wasn't a computer person. So I specifically got a Chromebook for recording on and for podcasting. It was a $99 Really cheap Chromebook, and of course it was not enough. So I ended up going with um, because that's the first thing you have to start with. You need you need a laptop. I guess you could do it on your phone, but it's not going to sound great. I picked up a laptop that would have enough RAM to run that Soundtrap app because I was having a lot of problems in the early days, and that's when James was being very patient with me. Most of those problems were coming from that app crashing because the computer I was using only had two gigs of RAM not enough to run like big files. So I picked up, it was a refurbished Latitude and it has 16 gigs of RAM, which is like the the maximum amount that I could afford for under $300. It was a, a laptop, it cost about $250. And besides the laptop, these headphones I bought, these are $29 headphones off Amazon. These mics are great. They're Mayanos. I mean, they're not great, okay? Your mic is great. This mic is acceptable. (laughs) And they're $60 on Amazon. They're called Mayanos. I bought two of these. I like them so much. And then the Soundtrap app is $9 a month.
0: Are those microphones USB or do you go through? Okay.
1: No, they are USB, but you also, if you can see that you can put in an XLR. My wife uses hers in XLR through like our, um, my wife's a singer. And she has the other microphone over there, but I use that occasionally for podcasting, but it's, yeah, a little bit of both. Okay. So if you could have told your,
0: yourself one thing before you actually started podcasting, mm-hmm. that would have made it easier for <laughs> you. So talk about time travel. If you did that time travel, you went back, you could tell yourself one thing. What would that one thing be to make your life easier as a new podcaster?
1: I think in my earlier podcast and switch out of time, I was trying to get more people involved and I was uh, trying to squeeze more into it than there needed to be. Uh, I would have a book corner and which is great. You know, I was trying to encourage reading. So I would, you know, me and James talk about books for a little bit, um, but it's kind of unnecessary. It just adds more time. I mean, of course you want content, but I want concise content i want to do like a recap podcast so i would tell myself to not do those type of segments i was doing band segments where i wanted to you know i'm a richmond guy i got a little i got a little audience i want to plug my richmond band's friends you know so i would play their music on my podcast and talk about them too and looking back i mean that was fine but Again, it was kind of leading me away from, you know, what the core of my podcast was. It was supposed to be just a recap podcast. So that's what I'm kind of focusing on more now. That's what I've learned is just to, especially with this 1899, I'm watching them as they go and trying to just recap the podcast. Yeah, in Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we had
0: a segment that we looked at a comic book of the week or several comic oh, books of the week. And I had somebody come in and I would do underlay music on it and would run for up to like 10 minutes or so during the middle of the podcast. And for the listener, after the fact, it was pretty good. We recorded live, so it was a little bit awkward for us at the time. I would say, and then eventually I broke that out into its own podcast, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Longbox Edition, and it just became more and more work to the point where I didn't have time to do it. And then segments started stacking up to my contributors to the point where I had apologized to them and said, look, I I don't have time to get to it. And a very good friend of mine, he was one of the contributors, and he sent in the segment and I told him, look, if I can't get it out this week, we have to shelve this. I mean, I, I have all your stuff at some point in time. I might get it out. But if I don't get it to it now, I, it's just not going to happen because I just don't have enough hours in the day, hours in the week to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have time for it. And like I said, I apologized profusely to him and said, I, I just I can't. I just don't I don't have the time as a hobby podcaster. I don't have the time. If it was with my job, I probably wouldn't have to time to do it. Cause it was like the seventh podcast of the week that I was doing. It was just crazy back then. So I had to shelve that it was a bridge too far and I couldn't do it. You said you have roughly about 50 listeners to the podcast, really engaged community. Mm-hmm. How do you handle promotion? Are you trying to promote outside that community? Or are you literally just a community based podcast?
1: I was just focused on that community for a bit because I was, you know, I had the, the the Facebook wheel of time TV series group and then I, I promote on Instagram. On Instagram, I like to do like a three-step promotion, which I kind of learned from politics, which is, you know, first you announce that you're gonna announce something. First you announce that you're gonna release something, and then you announce that you released it, and then you remind people that you released it. So I like to do that three steps on Instagram over like usually over like a week's period of time. And in between that, I always like to make sure that I post normal stuff in between. I don't want to just be like a promoter for my show all the time on my Instagram. For outreach for the new podcast, I say new, but it's like pretty much the same group that I was listening to before. I started doing the 1899 one, which I got very lucky by finding a couple of really dedicated 1899 groups on Reddit and again on Facebook. And I think that's a, way, a great way to find. That's how I found my audience, and it's recently grown to 350. That's something I wanted to share with you. That just recently, in the past few weeks, it's it has kicked up. And I do know that people are talking on some podcast subreddits about there's like errant Android issues going on with samsung right now. Yeah. Um, that's not the case here because I'm I'm not only getting you know, like 350 listens for the past two 1899 podcasts, but I'm getting more emails, more followers, you know, a lot more integration with people. And I believe it's strictly through the Reddit groups. That's where it gets the the biggest crowd and not not through the podcast, but through like the subject matter itself. So like if your podcast is about gardening, go to a gardening group and post there a lot and be part of the conversation. And every now and then drop in the fact that you have a podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's called the 80, 20 rule where at least 80%, at least 80% of your interactions should be not about what you're promoting. And then 20% of your interactions can be about what you're promoting. I think that ratio has gotten bigger now, whereas I think it's more like 90, 95% to five, 10% now than the 80, 20 rule. But the 80, 20 rule was a standard for quite some time with, Social media and promoting, so totally get what you're saying right there. You mentioned that you were having some problems with your Chromebook, the two gigabit computer that you were using, and your audio program. You've lost recordings before, right?
1: Oh yes, um at least twice. How'd you deal with that and I think in both cases, I was lucky enough where James, (laughs) the hero of the day, like had actually recorded on his end as well and had some feed for me. I don't think I've ever lost anything podcast wise, but there was a very embarrassing moment where I was at a, a band practice recently. I did join a band earlier this year. I'm not with them anymore, but I was playing with them for a few months came with all my recording stuff and I recorded like an hour of silence when we were supposed to be jamming. So that didn't go over very well. That was, that was maybe worse than (laughs) losing a podcast because I think with a podcast, if you do lose a podcast and you don't have a podcast for the week, in my opinion, I think it's completely acceptable to either not post a podcast and not make a big deal about it or post like a brief, like five minute thing about why you don't have a podcast that week. Or what I was doing for a while is James and I were always recording like one week ahead. So whatever I was releasing that week was what we recorded the week before. And eventually it caught up with me, but that was a really nice thing to fall back on so that. You know, if something happened one week, I would have another week to fall back on. Now, at this point, I have a um, we talked before about how I I didn't want to do all those segments, the book segment, the band segments. So I've gone and re-edited my old Wheel of Time podcast. So they're just recaps, but I haven't released them all yet. I've released four of them. And the other four are just on the back burner. I've already already edited them. They're already ready to go. So if I ever need to release them, I will. And so for me, if I lost a week, that's what I would do is just release one of those.
0: Did you just re-edit them or did you remaster Mm -hmm. them? Because we talk about that all the time in the podcasting space of remastering
1: old recordings. Good question. I was able to remaster because of the uh, Soundtrap app, because I had all the original files in there and they were all just how I'd left them before i was able to like start from scratch basically with the original files is that what you meant yeah pretty much yeah
0: so you're able to do a better job not only edit for content because you take out all the content that's unnecessary but you're also making it sound better because you're improved your skills have improved over time on how to actually edit the audio okay
1: Sure. Yeah. And different mics too. I was using a, um, you know, a, one of the Shure 57s, a musician mic. That's what I was using for a very long time until I finally converted over to these USB mics, which I got to admit, I like more. Mm. So wait a minute. You took
0: the Shure SM57, the same microphone the president of the United States uses every time he or she gets up to the pl- podium. Yep. <laughs> so you got rid of that for that USB microphone.
1: It's a digital age, baby. I don't know what I can say. I mean, I still have that other mic. I'm, I still use that to record, like when I record my tube amp, my guitars and stuff. Okay, I still respect the president. Come on,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have not gotten rid of any of my microphones that I've recruited over the years, but I think it's time to let it go. Matter of fact, I might start. <laughs> I might start posting them for sale within the next week or so. That's something oh. that. Uh, trying to declutter a little bit and get stuff out of the house. I've got boxes in places where I don't need to have boxes. And we're not talking about anything expensive here. I'm uh, talking mm. about like a bearing or uh, I don't know what it was 1300 or something like that. You know, the bottom line microphones Just get them out and some kids somewhere can use them. I'll donate them if I need to just get them out of here.
1: <laughs> Everybody's ears are perking up, man. Make sure you put them on the discord when you do that. I will. I will indeed. So
0: you've, Not totally ingrained in the podcasting space, but if there was something that you could point to to say, I wish podcasting didn't have this associated with it, Hmm. do you have anything like
1: that? I do. Yeah, I kind of do. I feel kind of bitchy, but I don't like the, uh, when... I guess all the celebrities and TV stars started turning to podcasting as well. I mean, I understand why they do it because it's fun, and they get control of their content that way. And I can all, I can absolutely understand what a stand-up comedian or improv actors. It's an absolutely appropriate medium, but I, you know, I saw like a lot of, I don't know, I, I'm not a big fan of, of the big names getting into podcasting. Alec
0: Baldwin is an example that we could throw in there. He had a podcast for a while.
1: The ex-president of the United States of America got into podcasting with Bruce Springsteen. I mean, I don't understand. It was just reaching out through a new
0: medium and thought that they not only could make some money off of it through ad revenue and stuff like that, but also to try to reach a new generation of people. Because I'm going to use this expression, kids these days don't exactly park their butts (laughs) in CNN. Remember back in the day, 1990, 1991, when you had Iraq that invaded Kuwait, what was everybody watching consistently throughout the day? What was on every single TV in a lobby space or where were people gathering around? They were gathering around CNN. Well, Mm -hmm. those days are over. Well, yeah, CNN is still there and people still watch it. But if you just, it made an example that you listen to a political podcast. You probably get more of your political news from that podcast than you would from CNN or NBC or Fox or wherever. Right. 100%, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's probably why the former president of the United States. Did that. <laughs>
1: I, I could, I, I do understand the appeal of it too, but I don't know. I think there's so many good voices and good, you know, comedians that, are trying to use that to get noticed, but they're getting drowned out by, you know, bigger names. Okay. Um, So you think crowding is an issue with this
0: in the space and totality?
1: Not for me, of course, but I mean, in general, when I, when I see that, um, you know, Zach Shepard has like the number one podcast out there and, you know, him and his wife, I don't know. I, I just wish that that attention would, you know, go to like a, A podcast podcast that podcasted, and that's their only thing.
0: I'll tell you, after watching the industry the past three or four years, it's just been phenomenal, where it went from mostly a hobby mom-and-pop sort of shop, where people were just clamoring, we just want to be noticed, we want to be treated like we're mainstream, to the explosion that it is today with Spotify and with all of these other name brands, that are recognized by the average person, iHeartRadio, whatever. And so people know what podcasts are. They might not listen to them, but at least they know or think they know what a podcast is. And it's just in the lexicon today. So that's where all the money is, like billions and billions of dollars are in podcasting now because people have learned in industry that they can advertise through podcasts. But it takes audiences to do that. If you can come in with a ready-made audience Like Mm -hmm. the former president of the United States, like Alec Baldwin, like any of these other stars that get into podcasting. Why not? Because you have people that can come in and do that. All right. Uh, Let's talk about some of the comments from the chat. Right. So we had Liberty Dude post a few things. I'm going to show him up on the screen. One of the first thing that he put on as a comment was who could hate the Wheel of Time?
1: Nobody, because the book is fabulous. It might be a dense read, but I think he's referring to the TV show, he or she. He. Okay. He might be saying who could hate the Wheel of Time TV show. I hope that's what he's saying because it is a good TV show. It strays from the book material. It's you know more ready-made for TV, but I mean, I agree. There's so many people. There's I would say, like you were talking about your 80-20 rule for um for promotions. It's eighty twenty for Wheel of Time fans. Eighty percent of the book readers hate the show, and the other twenty percent of us, you know, either think it's okay or we love it. I mean,
0: <laughs> I have a similar thing from where I grew from Starship Troopers, the movie. A lot of people think of it as a cheap sci-fi movie or whatever. The book actually was pretty in depth and and pretty serious, and they took that and made it to a campy sci-fi movie. There's those of us that didn't read the book, and really enjoyed the movie for what it was. But the people that were ingrained in the book, they saw the movie and were like, that's not what it is. And after learning more about the book, I can completely understand where they came from. So, you know, the, the whole thing is, is there. And you have that conversation every time you take a book and you turn it into a film. Liberty Dude also noted, you noted, you reviewed Time Bandit's. Are you expanding to other time travel stories? Basically what he's asking.
1: Well, yeah, at first, you know, when we ran out of doing the of switch out of time and I wanted to keep doing a weekly podcast, I guess it's something I should stress is that I was trying to keep going weekly, even though this show I was doing was done. So I decided to take that time thing. So that is absolutely why I chose Time Bandits. And then we started doing I wanted to do Time Rangers because James, you know, is associated with the Power Rangers and the Sentai subculture. But instead, I chose to do Ninja Steel instead because Zoe Robbins, who's in Wheel of Time, was also a Power Ranger in Ninja Steel. So there was a good kind of tie in there. But no, I did debate doing that. But instead, I chose because Wheel of Time season two is coming up. And I want to get myself ready for when a show broadcasts, watching it, and then immediately taking my notes and then immediately podcasting and releasing that podcast within the next couple of days. So I want to get used to that. So when 1899 came out, I decided to use that approach, which is what I'm doing right now with that. And as it turns out, I changed the name of the show, Sweet Child of 1899, for those episodes. but it. Time looks like it's going to be a a big key component of this show. So it kind of, I would like to try to keep the time, but I'm not going to is what I'm trying to say. I'm going to just keep continue with the sweet child, but I'm going to skip on trying to do the time thing. And if we do another show, I'm just going to be sweet child of something else.
0: A couple of things. First of all, if you're doing a review show or recap show on a TV show, Absolutely, the next day, or at the bare minimum, 48 hours later, is the sweet spot to get new people views on your list, their ears on your podcast. That's absolutely what you want to do. Also, talking about your off-season issues, Mm -hmm. if you have an IP that's big enough, like Star Wars or Marvel, like I do on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., The off-season is no big deal. Actually, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's hardly any off-season. There's always something (laughs) going on, so we don't really have to worry about it anymore. We did originally, but we don't have to worry about it anymore. Star Wars is much like the same way there. Hmm. I did another podcast on the CW TV show Arrow, which is in the DC Universe about the Green Arrow. The show was called Arrow. In the off-season, the show actually... Bloomed out an entire universe called the Arrowverse. It's really the DC comic universe, but the Arrowverse, and it had several different shows, at least five, if not six shows. I'm trying to think back in the day when they had them all running, it was either five or six. So we chose another show, which was legends of tomorrow. And we podcasted on that in our off season. So it was still in the Arrowverse. A lot of times, actually the main character was from Arrow to begin with, but it was a different show. So that's how we handled it. So there's different ways that you can handle it. It's kind of rough when you're throwing yourself into a relatively new IP and there's not much that you can do in the off season. For Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., when we were covering that in the original years for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., there were conventions and we would either go to conventions or we would listen to panels and we would talk about that. We'd talk about news about upcoming movies and stuff like that. Again, with Wheel of Time... There's not much you can do. I mean, you could do book reviews or, cha- or a chapter review. You can't actually read the book, but you could <laughs> do that. So there's different things you can do. You've chosen to do another show. That's great. You want to do a weekly podcast. You can do that. I would argue maybe you don't want all that on the same RSS feed, but it's the way you've chosen how to do it and it seems to be working for you. So I'm not, there's no right or wrong answer in podcasting. Whatever anybody tells you, there's no right or wrong answer. There are best practices, but there's no right or wrong answers. If it's working for you, keep on going with it. All right, let's move on to the next comment. Actually, you might know this. It's from Mostly Speaking sentai Oh, yeah, baby.
1: Said, loose inside of structure is how I roll. It absolutely is. He adds yeah, a lot of fun to podcasting. Um, I, Yeah, it wouldn't be the same without him. Yeah, I do it with Nate, and Nate's really fun to podcast with as well. James has practiced on the mic, so yeah, (laughs) his structure is very fun. If Yeah, if you're a fan of James, you'll love his – he has like four or five podcasts that he – you talk about your rule of two. Do no more than two podcasts a week at a time to focus on, and um, I can't see how I could do more than one, and – I think James mm-hmm. has like four or five regular ones. He does. So he's not listening to your rule. He's not listening to you. It's not sustainable
0: over the long term. And now if you have a crew behind you, that's different. But or if you're doing it for your job, that's different. But the rule is based on hobby podcasters and it's based on interacting with the community. It's based on preparing for new podcasts and then promoting your podcast. That's what the rule is based off of. And like I just said, there's no right or wrong answer. There's just best practices. And we have a final comment from Liberty Dude. He said, yeah. with your podcast focusing on a current running show, do you try to listen to other podcasts on the show? Do you think of possible cross-show collaborations? I
1: do not. Um, I made a conscious choice to do that because that's usually what I do is like when i into a show, I'll read the Vulture recap, you know, on print. And then I'll listen to like the Bald Move because Bald Move is doing the 1899. But I had to stay away. I'm not watching ahead, so I don't want any spoilers. And I kind of want to like compare notes with other podcasts when I'm done with mine. I will absolutely listen to the Bald Move 1899 podcast when I'm done. They're doing it differently in theirs. They're doing it like within an RSS feed as well, except for they have kind of like a broad umbrella RSS feed where they just kind of throw whatever show they want in there and it's just kind of thrown in the pile. I'm tempted, <laughs> but I'm not doing it. For Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., I
0: am open to other collaborations. I've tried a few collaborations with other specific Marvel podcasters, and they, for whatever reason, have said no so far. But I'm open to it. So if you're a Marvel podcaster out there, I'm open to a collaboration. And I know my co-hosts are as well. Cool. All right. A couple of final questions here before I let you go for the night. First. Think of your podcast. Think of all the episodes of your podcast. Oh, and then think of one. It doesn't have to be the best. It doesn't have to be, you know, whatever. It's just the one that's on the tip of your mind, a favorite moment from all of those podcasts. What is it?
1: Um, <laughs> it was a, uh, you know, like I said, James has not seen wheel of time and he, uh, you know, was just watching the show along with me. And so he's just, you know, noticing things as they come up. And he just so happened to make a keen observation that's like a major spoiler for the entire series of Wheel of Time. He just happened to pick up on it as just a jokey aside. And I didn't, I don't even think I told him about it, but I definitely took that clip, that like one and a half minute clip and showed it to the other people from the, uh, that Wheel of Time TV series group. And I was like, look, he's onto it. He, (laughs) It was, (laughs) that was a wonderful moment. Just him just haphazardly like stepping on a big spoiler that he wasn't even aware of. A blind squirrel will find a nut every once in a while. Yep. (laughs) So
0: besides 1899 and the second season of Wheel of Time, do you have any future plans for your podcasting?
1: Absolutely. Because I really want to do it weekly and Getting a big boost in numbers, having like, you know, the 350 people that have consistently followed like for the last couple of episodes. I know they're fans of 1899 first and foremost, which means they're probably also fans of that great show Dark. And so that's what I'm thinking about. Maybe leaning towards is doing a recap of the show Dark or maybe possibly going back to the um Little House on the Prairie well again, because I keep thinking about that or maybe Highway to Heaven, because I don't think anybody's done a, I mean, I'm sure somebody has. I know about some Little House on the Prairie recap podcasts that are already out there. I don't know about any Highway to Heaven ones, so I wouldn't mind doing that.
0: Yeah, I know there's a lot of retro podcasts out there because it's all available to stream somewhere by now, or you can watch it on TV or whatever on like free TV, whatever that free TV is for you, whether it's a streaming app like Tubi or a local free channel. I know there's a lot of that. Like there's uh, a Andy Griffin show podcast. I believe there's leave it to beaver podcast where they get a lot of the actual actors and behind the scenes production personnel in there and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's all possible. You know, a lot of the older people involved in little house, the Prairie have sadly passed away for, you know, you want to say sadly or not? I know there's a lot of controversy with that show as well behind the scenes, but there are still, I mean, there was a lot of kids that you could, kid actors, child actors that you could probably
1: grab and have on your show too. So yeah, have fun with that. Yeah, thank you. And I'm leaning towards the dark though, because like with these new fans, 1899, it seems like a natural progression is like to do a show from the same people that did the previous show. Well, the important thing is you have options. I do. And I only want to do shows that I like. I'm not going to do <laughs> anything I don't like because that's what I'm doing is for fun. And if I'm not having fun, I don't want to do it. Well, you've been talking about
0: podcasting for about an hour here. Is mm-hmm. there anything left? Is there any note that you've taken that you're just like, man, I just I need to say this about podcasting before I get off here,
1: because I'll never forgive myself if <laughs> I don't say this in the show. I mean, I wrote down so many notes and I didn't even say any of them. So do you want to just start going through all my notes now? <laughs> Your most important part. Let's do that. Just one. No, I really do not. I think we've pretty much touched on everything. Other than the fact that I apologize for being negative about celebrities doing podcasts. I feel bad having negative opinions, but... um. Yeah. You're not the first
0: one on this show to state (laughs) that about how the industry has focused on that versus the discovery of other great content, but without the star celebrity on it. So there's a discoverability question in there. There's been this thing for about 10 years. uh, Podcasting has a discoverability problem. I don't think it does. I just think you need to work the SEO or search engine optimization, in order to be discoverable, and you do that through promotion and a lot of the things you were talking about, and it's been working for you, growing from fifty to three hundred and fifty in whatever stats program that you're working. So that's and your
1: interactions are growing and everything. So I think you're doing a good job. No, well, thanks. I think I um, I guess and one last point is I kind of succinct everything when I first started trying to reach out to people, just kind of succinct things down to like one word either hashtags or search terms on Reddit, Facebook, Instagram. For me, at first, it was like cassette, DIY, you know, stoner, bedroom recordings. That was the first things and the first outreach. I found other people with those same hashtags. Did the same thing with Wheel of Time in 1899. Just search for those hashtags for those and I, you just find so many people that are into it and so many people that goof on it you know, I like the people that goof on it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hashtags are really instrumental. So on Twitter, if you plan to continue to use that, whoever's listening to this, I would search for a couple of hashtags that you think are relevant about whatever subject matter you're doing. And sometimes people will put like five or six or maybe even up to 10 hashtags. So you get to see all the relevant ones. You can do searches and you can see how popular they are and roll with those for your posts. On Mastodon, if you've transitioned over there, I know discoverability is almost exclusively with hashtags. So same sort of thing. Start searching hashtags and you can follow hashtags over on Mastodon, which is a Twitter replacement over there. You can actually do that versus following people or you can do both. And that's a great way to do that. Hashtags work on Instagram and Facebook. From what I've been told, hashtags i don't think work on reddit do they have you seen that no that i've never done a hashtag on reddit no i have never either so you mentioned you you kind of alluded to that in your statement i was like i don't think that (laughs) actually works but you know finding the right subreddit is yes always a key is that your peeps right there yeah okay Well, Steve, thank you very much for coming on this conversation with me. Where's the best place for our better podcasting audience to
1: find Sweet Child of Time? Well, you know, it's on all the socials and all the um, streamers, but Sweet Child of Time pod is going to be my Instagram. And I post a lot of stuff on my band page, which is intro.void. Either one of those Instagrams are great to follow because I usually do cross promotions on both of those. My podcast is Sweet Child of Time, and that's on the Marshland Media Network. And the uh website for them is mlmpod.com. And we also have a Discord for Marshland Media, so that's where my podcast is on there too. And we'll be upcoming Sweet Child of Time Season 2 for Wheel of Time Season 2, whenever that starts up. Yeah, Sweet Child of Time Pod. Or if you want to email us at Sweet Child of sweet child of time pod at gmail.com. It's a lot to say there myself and SP here. I think we exchanged 18 emails through that um, exchange. Is that too many emails?
0: No, in doing what we were setting up. No, absolutely not. Uh, I apologize. (laughs) A couple of times I, I was gone because I was dealing with other things. And of course there's a Thanksgiving holiday in there as well, but yeah, no, that's, it's, that's fine for me. For other people, I don't know, maybe that might be too many, but if you're getting ready for a collaboration, one thing I wanted to say this this week, and I'm glad you brought it up. One thing that I want to thank is every single person that I've had in this conversation has been very gracious with their ability to communicate back and forth. I won't say relentless, I won't say aggravating. It's been really fun communicating back and forth, and it's been proactive. So I just want to say thank you to everybody that I've had on Better Podcasting with SB, including you, Steve, on being very proactive and being very communicative back and forth and getting ready for our conversation.
1: So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been it's been great. I feel like just like with the uh, <laughs> with that Artemis, I kind of stepped in a, you know, a big arena that I'm not really ready for, but I'm just doing my best and having fun.
0: That's the best thing to do with podcasting. Have fun. That's the whole premise of better podcasting. So thank you very much, Steve. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for spending your time with Steve and me over the past hour. If you like content like this, please subscribe to the better podcasting YouTube channel, like the video, ring that bell. Or so the YouTubers tell me, don't really know what that does somebody <laughs> will tell me at some point or if you're listening to this audio version on better podcasting chats with sp podcast please select a follow on your podcatcher app of choice or subscribe whatever it's called steven and i would greatly appreciate it now tomorrow night steven and i will be recording episode 266 of the better podcasting main show you can find that at geeks.live at 7 p m eastern time for this show better podcasting chats with sp Next week, I'll be connecting with Smoking and Drinking in Spaces' Jason. We have done a lot of collaborations in the past, and I'm finally getting a a chance to have him on this show for a conversation. Really looking forward to that. Uh, There's some serious topics to discuss there and some fun topics to discuss there. So it'll be a mixed bag next week. In the meantime, join the podcasting conversation on our Discord server, betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. You can find both Stephen and myself there every day. See everybody next time.